Today is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Exposing the radical transgender movement. We'll do that and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help us. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend, all that good stuff. You can also email us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Just say hi if you want. Quick start podcast at cbn.org. Joining me, as always, Tragons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire with a look at what's coming up. What's going on, guys? Living the dream. Right. You? It's already Tuesday. Yes. Uh, what do we call it? Monday Junior? Mini Monday? Mini Monday. Monday. It's mini Monday. Mini Monday. Mini Monday. Mini Monday. I like your story today, guys. Lecrae. It's kind of a misdirect. Yeah. He's talking deconstruction, but actually in a good way this time, believe it or not. So I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, indeed. Also on the main thing, Billy, you talked to reporter Brandon Showalter. I mean, this guy has been going after just in depth on this transgender movement, and it's a big issue. And uh, he's probably tackled it more than anyone else out there right now. And so your conversation with him on the main thing is coming up. First, we're going to go through the news in 90 seconds. U.S. Navy veteran Mark Frerichs was kidnapped in Afghanistan two years ago. He was released yesterday by the Taliban. This was part of a prisoner exchange with Afghan drug kingpin Bashir Norzai who was serving a life sentence in the U.S. Nonprofit Faith and Freedom Coalition is reportedly looking to spend upwards of $40 million to mobilize the Christian vote as Democrats and Republicans are looking to take control of both houses in Congress this November, the midterm elections. And this is a social conservative national grassroots organization. It's headed by Ralph Reed, and they're looking to spend... According to them, between 36 million and 42 million to target Christian voters. And amid a close call with a missile strike outside a nuclear power plant, Ukraine is alleging torture at a village near the Russian border. You can read about that story and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, this uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition spending a ton of money. I mean, this is a huge election and the reality is starting to sink in here now. We're two-thirds of the way through September. November is right around the corner, and they say it on every election, but this is the biggest election, but it is a big one, and there is a lot at stake here. Yeah, and I think we're actually seeing by the numbers that every election really does become the biggest, yeah. right? Like, I don't think you can overstate that enough. Even this, the last presidential election, both candidates had the most votes of any president in history, right? So you're seeing more people, I think, engage and the stakes are getting higher for people. So it used to be we laughed that off, but I, I actually yeah. think it's true now. Yeah, I think it's definitely is becoming true, particularly as, as as politicians target issues that are more and more increasingly a part of our day-to-day -day life. Like I'm thinking education, which is something we talk about a whole lot here. It's something now that politicians on the national level are talking about pushing stuff, particularly LGBT stuff onto our kids. So I think when there are these big cultural things that all of these politicians are talking about, these elections do in our minds become more important because it's not these abstract issues we're talking about anymore, right? It's these day-to-day -day kitchen table, to borrow a political phrase, it's these kitchen table issues uh, that impact us. It's not just economic, it's it's social, it's cultural, it's religious. So uh, yeah, I think there, there's a clear indication that not only in, in numbers, but also in issues, each election is becoming more important. Yeah, and as Christians too, I think it's 
we're seeing, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, just basic truths being under attack. And as Christians, we have an answer to what the truth is. You know, the Bible gives us direction on so many issues. The transgender issue, for example, one we're diving into today. As Christians, we have an answer to that. I think if you try to explain some of these basic truths at their foundational level, you're going to have a hard time doing that apart from the truth of God's Word. I, you know, I just don't know how you you do it when you can't go lean into what God actually says about this issue. I mean, you can make science your ultimate standard. You're going to have to make something else your ultimate standard. But the fact of the matter is these basic truths are being challenged. You know, we're watching the consequences of having pulled away, uh, of having said, yeah. you know, in a lot of quarters, we're either going to pull away or we're not going to engage in, in the right way. And I think a lot of us right now, regardless of where we stand and how we got here, we're looking at where we are. We're very confused. It's like we've woken up in the middle of nowhere. We don't understand what's going on culturally. And I think we're, we're all being activated. And we saw this with the parents at school board meetings. We've seen this repeatedly yeah. with people reacting to things. Those are sort of the symptoms, but I think the broader piece is going to be, what do we do to fix this problem now? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy to, to just get angry. Um, and I know I've been, uh, you know, I'm just as susceptible as, as anyone else is, is just getting frustrated with the situation and, 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 and thinking, well, let me just isolate and close into my community. Well, this is what we believe. So we're just going to stick together uh, and, and we can kind of create our own subculture. But to your point, Dan, I think it's important as Christians that we do have the answers. The gospel does speak into all of these issues. Believe it or not, the world will tell you it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but the scripture has the answers to the issues of abortion and sexuality uh, and, and all of these things. Uh, so I think it's important that we not just get angry, but use the, the frustration as a motivation then to go speak truth to people, lovingly, compassionately, all that stuff. Uh, but to be a light in this dark world, you know, to be salt in this world world. Yeah, absolutely. And to let God's word do the work once you yeah. present it. But I think part of um, implicit in that is that we have to know God's word and we've got to familiar, familiarize ourselves with it a little bit more. And actually, Lecrae has been talking about that. And he used the word deconstruction, which, you know, we've heard that negatively from people who've left the faith, but Lecrae hasn't left the faith. He's He's talking about it in a positive way. Hey, let's get down to the base level here. And he called some deconstruction healthy. He said some is unhealthy. So, Trey, what did he mean by this and what did he say? Yeah, so earlier this month, the, the, the Twitter thread is actually just now getting a lot of traction. But earlier this month, Lecrae posted is a pretty long Twitter thread actually uh, explaining how, in his view, deconstruction, uh, which is kind of a trigger word, I think, in our culture right yeah. now, uh, can actually be a good thing for Christians to go through. Uh, he wrote one type of deconstruction actually involves using scripture to deconstruct uh, unhealthy ideas and practices. So essentially his argument was that using scripture to challenge not just secular cultural assumptions, which is good, but also he said that we should use it to, um, to, you know, be critical of some of the behaviors and, and, and tools and uh, mechanisms that we have within our own Christian tradition, within our own cultural Christian traditions, assumptions that we have that might not be rooted in scripture, uh, like how do we worship or uh, how often do we link our political uh, ideologies to our theologies? Like, are there dogmas there that are extra biblical that we've kind of attached uh, a biblical, um, you know, meaning to? So he just wants people to be a little bit more 
more critical when they look at their faith. And he said, that's a way uh, that being uh, or going through deconstruction, if you will, uh, can actually be good for a believer. He said an unhealthy form of deconstruction, which I think this is really important, uh, he said would be using, quote, culture to challenge scripture. Mm. Uh, so he said, if we're interpreting the Bible through the lens of a you know, current cultural trend, whatever that might be, that is a problem. He wrote, this often leads to culture taking precedence over scripture. And sadly, he wrote, people begin to deconstruct themselves completely out of the faith. Mm. And he even said that Jesus deconstructed, which <laughs> probably was the most controversial thing out of everything he said. But what was he, you know, explain what he was saying there. Yeah, that one was kind of, you know, raised my eyebrow when I first read. I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. So, but what he said was actually he had he had some good points to make. This was definitely the most interesting part of his his Twitter thread. I see the point he was making, but uh, before we get into it, I should say that this is part of the problem with the word deconstruction, yeah. right? It's probably not the best word that he could have used. Uh, but Lecrae wrote that Jesus himself participated in deconstruction quote by deconstructing the Pharisees' interpretation of Scripture. Obviously, I see what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus came in and he challenged the religious, the works-based spirit of the Pharisees. But that doesn't really fit our modern understanding of the word deconstruction, which is where he got some pushback. Uh, the word is really nebulous, uh, but this definition from an apologist, uh, Alyssa Childers, I think is really helpful. So this is what she wrote. Uh, she said, in the context of faith, deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. Sometimes the Christian will deconstruct all the way into atheism. Some remain there, but others experience a reconstruction. But the type of faith they end up with embracing almost never resembles the Christianity they formerly knew. So I think that's a really good definition of deconstruction. I think if we apply that to what Jesus was doing, obviously it wouldn't meet that standard. It would be he's just teaching, he's correcting, right? He's not deconstructing. But again, I see the point Lecrae was making, yeah. and I think it was a good one. Yeah, what kind of, uh, you mentioned the responses there that he was getting some pushback. What what was the general response that uh, he received from this? Because it was getting it was getting interest for sure. Yeah, it, you know, it was a mixed bag. There were people on the left. It's interesting to see the different political factions, right, coming at him. Uh, so people on the left who disagreed with the idea of deconstruction uh, or disagreed with his idea that deconstruction can lead to deeper faith, which that's actually what yeah. Lecrae ended his thread with by saying, hey, I went through this process and I actually have a deeper belief and trust in Jesus. And people from the left are saying, no, that's not what deconstruction is. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't suggest that deconstruction could lead to a deeper relationship with Jesus. Deconstruction should lead to no relationship with Jesus. Uh, and then others who are like Lecrae, who are still Christians, they thought it was helpful because it can help them maybe have better conversations with their non-believing friends about, look, this is, you can challenge your faith yeah. and you can have doubts and you can ask questions. And that's a good thing. So, you know, they appreciated Lecrae kind of making room for asking questions within the faith community. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of probably parents now in this generation, maybe the generation before, of parents not adequately preparing your children for the world and the assault you're going to get on Scripture and the ideas of the Bible and the Bible itself. I, I think they're in for a rough road because they're going to be challenged. And you want to you want to be the one to, sh to point them in the right direction on these challenging questions and these and these challenging thoughts because we can rest assured we have the right answers and we have good answers to all of these challenges. And then there's sometimes where you know where both sides you're like, okay, well we got to leave that one up to faith. And there are going to be instances like that. But I think for me, 
yeah, like you said, I, I'm I think it's great if you want to go ahead deconstruct it because you're either going to choose to accept the God of the Bible or you're not, and that's on you. But um, at the at the same time, have full confidence that doing so really shouldn't uh, rattle your faith. I think it's interesting because obviously, as you're reading what he's saying, it's really easy to agree with all the points he's making. But when it comes to language, and this is one of the most frustrating things, when there are words that are going to trigger people. This is my policy, and I know not everybody agrees with it. Words like white privilege, like, you know, there's a lot of terms yeah. that people have different meanings for. The minute that term is said, you've automatically attracted people or you've pushed them away. And I think deconstruction is one of those words, which is why I don't understand why we have to use these triggering yeah, words right. for people. It's almost like, uh, you know, an exercise in insanity or I know, I'm not saying he was doing this, but people do it to get, get attention. attention. So exactly. yeah. talk about the concepts that to me is the most important thing. Yeah, that's a good point, because if you use some of these words, I mean, I know some pastors have used white privilege to talk about the race issue. And like you said, it's triggering and people are going to get defensive and they're they're automatically going to turn off and put on the blinders to what you're actually saying. So it can it can serve as a distraction a lot of times w- without a doubt. You can read about what Lecrae said over on faithwire.com. Uh, Trey, thanks for bringing that one. It leads us into our main thing today and reporter Brandon Showalter. He's been relentlessly covering this radical transgender movement that we've seen surge recently. Um, and he stops by to explain what he's found, what he's seen, and why it's so important to expose this issue. Billy Hallowell chatted with him on today's Main Thing. Journalist Brandon Showalter has been on the front lines of covering the transgender debate. We sat down with Brandon to discuss how he got into covering this beat, what he's uncovered, and why he believes this is an issue everyone should care about. Here's Brandon Showalter. Well, it was pretty much from the start because my first day on the job during my trial period was the day after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. So I was just thrown into these really hot button LGBT issues. And I soon learned how everything had shifted away from gay rights to trans rights and that kind of thing. But what really alarmed me was how I saw within the media language being manipulated and switched around males being referred to as she to the point where when I would read an article, I couldn't even keep it straight because I wasn't sure who was being referred to and that kind of thing. And it was just, I, I, I was so confused by it all. And then I sort of realized what was, what was all going on. Uh, but then a few months later, I realized that this was also a medicalized kind of thing where even in children's hospitals, in pursuit of this physio- physiological impossibility, that of becoming the opposite sex, Children were being given, you know, experimental drugs to halt their natural puberty, followed on by synthetic opposite sex hormones. And then perhaps after that, a disfiguring cosmetic, medically unnecessary gender uh, surgery and something inside me snapped. And I just once you see it, I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't look away. Uh, And so my editors encouraged me to just continue on with this and continue to scrutinize this. And the rest, as they say, is history. You have been an expert on this, so it's interesting. You're in, you're in a really fascinating position. You're a journalist who has covered the issue um, incessantly. You know the issue in and out, and I want to talk more about children in a moment. Um, but you've also been called upon to appear in documentaries on this. In fact, you're in a new documentary on Fox Nation talking about this issue. Can you tell us a little bit about that documentary? Yes, the documentary is called Transgressive, the Cult of Confusion. It's a Tucker Carlson original, like I said, on Fox Nation. And last year, I was with my friend Walt Heyer, who is also featured in the documentary. And 
he's, I think, in his 80s now, and he was one of those people who many decades ago underwent these experimental measures. I don't know where it was exactly. For I forget where he got surgery, but uh, he now runs a website called Sex Change Regret, and he helps people who are confused about their bodies uh, prevent them from going down the path that he did. And he referred me to one of Tucker's producers who then filmed me last fall, and it was just, it was sort of stitched together a whole storyline of other people who have been involved in this space. There's an endocrinologist that I know who's been working to expose some of the medical atrocities that are going on in our government. He's featured. There's a mother that I know whose daughter was removed from her custody and wound up taking her own life by jumping in front of a train. And she had to get that she had to get the parents' worst nightmare phone call from, I believe it was the coroner or the relevant authorities saying that they were retrieving the pieces of her daughter's shattered body from the train tracks because their daughter was on hormones. These hormones, these trans treatments, if you want to even call them that, didn't alleviate her real distress. Her story is featured in this documentary. There are several others. It's a very powerful film, and so it all just sort of fell into place. Um, I was featured because of my extensive work uh, profiling families who have been torn apart by this. And I also comment a little bit about the death of medical ethics, because under what standard is it sane to be able to remove physically healthy body parts? To me, that's not healthcare. That's an atrocity. Well, and physically healthy body parts, you know, of adults, that's often talked about, right? That's a whole moral and ethical issue right there. But let's talk about children for a moment. You recently wrote an op-ed, I'm an opinion piece, breaking down what you believe to be the evidence that this is happening on children as well, that it's not just adults. And you mentioned this a little bit before with minors. Let's talk about that because that seems to be the part of this that is most horrifying the critics. Absolutely. And while I'm of the view that no sex change surgery is medically ethical, it is especially egregious when it's done to minors because we know from the relevant brain science that the human brain doesn't stop developing until around age 25. We know that children are not able to give consent to any number of things in our society. We don't let them vote until they're 18, can't even drink until they're 21, they can't uh, serve in the military, but somehow you're going to say that they, as a prepubescent child, can give consent to block their puberty with high-powered drugs, which will then, especially if you follow it on with cross-sex hormones, it's going to render them sterile. I just, the, the, the fact that we're doing this to children just really punched me in the gut when I first learned about it. But yes, Despite what much of the legacy media will say about this, if you actually examine the medical literature, the peer-reviewed journals, gender clinicians and doctors who are involved in these sordid procedures actually say themselves that, yes, they have, for example, cut the breasts off of 13-year-old girls. They have cut the genitals off and performed a vaginoplasty on 15-year-old boys. Don't take my word for it. I, in my most recent piece that you mentioned, I hyperlinked and cited down to the page number sometimes these journals like JAMA Pediatrics, the Journal of Clinical Medicine, the Journal of Sexual Medicine, Obstetrics and Gynecology. These are prominent peer-reviewed medical journals that say in the body of these articles that yes, youth under the age of 18 have indeed been disfigured and so just... If you don't take, if you don't believe me, just read what they have themselves said, and I've got it all listed there, collated for you <laughs> to read. You do, and you know it's interesting. Last question for you, because and there, we could talk for a very long time about this, but there's so much to unpack. But as you're looking at this, 
culture has changed very quickly. These things have come at people very fast. At the same time, you have cancel culture, you have people pushing back. And because of that, a lot of people who have strong views on this are remaining silent. They're not saying anything. They're afraid. You have not been afraid. Others have not been afraid to talk about it. But there are people who are fearful and they're watching this, trying to understand, and they're thinking, well, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to keep on keeping on and let people do what they want to do. But what is your message to those people who are maybe even strong Christians who are watching this and they're remaining silent? What would you say to them? My question to them is, will you have it on your conscience that you knew that children's hospitals were permanently maiming and sterilizing young kids and you said nothing? Will you, are you able to sleep at night knowing that doctors will go to work today and cut the breasts off of troubled girls, that they will chemically castrate little boys? How many is too many? How many children, teenagers, and young adults have to wind up sterile with destroyed sexual function, brittle bones, because that's what puberty blockers cause. They don't allow your skeleton to develop right in, in enough strength. You, you lose bone density, fractured psyches, and a permanently disfigured body all because of this lie that you were somehow born in the wrong body. How many does that have to happen to before you say, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna have to push back past my fear? How many? For me, I think the answer is one. One is too many. Well, Brandon, I so appreciate your time. Your work is over at The Christian Post. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Billy. All right. Thanks for that conversation, guys. And that leads us into our last thing today. And we're going to head over to Galatians 6. Yeah. So Galatians 6, 4 is something that's been on my mind recently it, it, because it's easy, I think, in this social media age to play the comparison game, right? We do it anyway, but it's it's really incentivized with social media. So the passage says, be careful or, or pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Like I think it's important to uh, to really put our, our nose to the grindstone, right? And as long as we're, we are, you know, following down the path that God has planned for us, the path God's orchestrated for us, doing the next right thing, taking the next right step. I think that's ultimately where we'll find satisfaction and contentment in life. Because when we look to the right or left and compare ourselves to others, uh, their situations, it always leads to demise <laughs> yes. and, and feeling, feeling, you know, less than, uh, you know, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't live like that. We don't have to live like that. No, a hundred percent. And I think that that is the biggest problem with social media is that comparison trap. Exactly. That is what it sets up to do. You see everyone else's highlight reel and you start thinking that that's how I've had people say to me like, oh, you know, you're oh, you're homeschooling and it's going so great. And I'm just like, well, you see the one picture I post every year at the beginning of the year and none of the craziness that's going on behind the scenes. So it's really a dangerous thing for us to be kind of engaged in and good to be remembering uh, Galatians 6-4. Yeah. Well, you're not, when you're focusing and we're all guilty of it, uh, you know, on other people's success or yeah. the things other people have, when you're doing that, it's evidence that you're not really focusing on the path, at least that day when you're doing it, that God has for you. And so it's easy to slip in and out of that. Um, but recognizing that we have to be comfortable wherever God has us, wherever he wants us, that it's for him and there's a path that he has. And so, yeah, it's, it's the thief of joy comparison yeah. for sure. Right. Get your satisfaction in what God has put before you, what he's given you and it's so much easier said than done. I mean, I know I'm saying that, but I'm preaching to myself. It's so much easier said than done. But when you do that, then it won't, 
none of the other stuff will matter. Like we set these false ex expectations for ourselves with what kind of standard of living we're supposed to have or what we're doing for our kids or yada, yada, yada. But keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and you will avoid that. And you're going to have joy and peace no matter no matter what your lot in life is. So a great reminder uh, for us here on this Tuesday. And that's where we're going to leave it for the podcast. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And uh, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us. We will be back here with more. God bless. We'll see you uh, here next time. Have a great rest of the day. <laughs>